0: From the mid-1970s until his tragic death in 2014, Robin Williams was one of the most talented, recognizable, and versatile stars in Hollywood. From comedies to dramas, kids' films to horror flicks, his range was arguably unparalleled. And when he threw himself into a role, he held absolutely nothing back. While he has left us far, far too soon, the great pop culture debate wants to look back at his incredible body of work and determine what is the best Robin Williams movie ever made forget carpe diem my motto is seize the gay I'm your host
2: Eric Resniak
0: please welcome my panelists our live podcaster society she does a great impression of a hot dog it's Andrew Guerrero Eric
1: do you ever wish you could freeze frame a moment in your day look at it and say this is
0: not my life you know it's funny you say that, because I've been secretly living as my imaginary children's <laughs> geriatric nanny for years, so <laughs> please do not tell Sally Field that <laughs> she will never forgive me. Uh, he's been the victim of numerous run-by fruitings. It's Curtis Creekmore.
2: Eric, I am a run-by fruiting.
0: Well, it must be jelly, because jam don't shake. Oh, and no, honey. <laughs> Son of a bitch, she stole my line. It's Kate Reculia.
3: How do you like them apples?
0: (laughs) Nobody in this town works without a retainer, you guys. So before we get to the debate, how does this work? We made a list of all 70 something films in which Mr. Williams appeared. In most, he was the star. In some, he was an uncredited cameo. Note that we stuck strictly to film here so you won't find Mr. Williams' TV work. More than 50 people took the poll. We tallied their votes, ranked the picks by popularity and added them to a bracket. Now we argue about it and insult each other, all for your amusement. Want to play along at home? You can. Head to greatpopculturedebate.com and go to polls and brackets. There you'll find the downloadable listener brackets for this and every episode of our little show. Do your picks match up with ours? Do our picks make you want to sound a barbaric yop? Let us know by dropping a comment on this episode at our website or by yelling at us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And lastly, if you're curious about how we went from the top 32 down to the sweet 16, become a Patreon supporter of our podcast. Our Patreons at the $5 level or higher get exclusive access to the warm-up slash part ones for each episode in which we work our way through all of round one. It's like a whole bonus episode for each topic and it includes our arguments that you will not hear anywhere else. And it's only one of the great Patreon perks we have, so consider supporting us on Patreon today. And with that out of the way, let's summon Agador Spartacus for some refreshments and get straight to the debates. First up, it's ultimate number one seed, Mrs. Doubtfire, which dragged four-seed, one-hour photo with a unanimous victory. Next, three-quarters of the panel wanted to take to the airwaves for Good Morning Vietnam, a two-seed, but Andrea preferred the cheery disposition of Patch Adams, a three-seed. Curtis entertained the troops and our listeners by advocating for Vietnam, Andrea make them smile. For Patch Adams, I'm gonna have Andrea go first.
1: I I love both of these movies. This one was a tough choice for me. Um, and Good Morning Vietnam was definitely one of those movies that I saw way too early in my life. Um, <laughs> and I went back and rewatched it as I was doing research for the show. And I, the rewatchability for Good Morning Vietnam for me is not there as much Mm -hmm. as it is for Patch Adams. There's just some like real cringy moments. Um, While there's still a lot of like really great moments and things that I love about the movie, um, Patch Adams is definitely one of those movies that I can go back to. And I always find different little jokes and stuff in there to appreciate. Um, When I rewatched it recently for this, I particularly love um, the scene where they get the pool full of noodles for the old lady. That's like her last thing she wants to do is to just be submerged in a pool full of noodles. Um, And I love that scene because he asks her like, what, what's your dream? Like what's your fantasy? And only like the honesty of an elderly dying woman saying, I just want to be submerged in a pool full of noodles. Like the the <laughs> vulnerability in that scene for me. I'm like, cause we all want like weird shit like that, the <laughs> weird experiences in our life. What I'm saying is, is I want to be submerged in a pool full of noodles. Um <laughs> yeah, you know. You. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I for me I think it was it came down to rewatchability. Good morning, Vietnam. There's just uh, too much cringe in there for me.
0: I think that's a very fair argument, honestly. Um, I'm going to pass it over to Curtis to talk about Good Morning Vietnam before I share my thoughts. Go for it, Curtis.
2: Audience, Eric loves to make me go both ways. So if you listen to our our, uh, warm-up episode for this, I argued for Patch Adams in the first round, and now I've got to swing back around and stump for Vietnam. Even though Vietnam is considered a comedy when you look at anything on Google, like I did, I think by tackling war from like a, a comedic or almost dark comedy angle, it opened up Robin to explore dark comedy and drama in a film. This was 1987. It was a little bit earlier on. Robin was so charismatic and so approachable that even an extremely hot-button issue like the war in Vietnam wasn't off-limits. With, with it being created, or when it came out in 1987... It was only 12 years after the fall of Saigon and the end of the Vietnam War. That's so, crazy.
0: Yeah. I did not really put that together, yeah. but that's yeah. crazy.
2: Like, that's daring. Who yeah. else? Who else has the gravitas or, like, the ability to make something like this happen? hmm that also makes it the third oldest movie on this list of 32 that we that made it to our final bracket. Mm-hmm. This is the third oldest, only Popeye and the the is it the world according to Garp? Yeah, yeah. world according to Garp. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Those are the only two that are older than this film. It's also one of the highest rated movies in this bracket across IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. And Robin was nominated for an Oscar Mm -hmm. and won a Golden Globe for this performance. I don't think it's like, I like Patch Adams, but I really don't think this is a contest.
0: Kate, where are you on this one?
3: I am with Good Morning Vietnam. Exceptional argument, Curtis.
0: Thank
2: you.
3: You showed your work. It was good.
0: (laughs) and i'd say like andrea i get what you're saying about it's it's not super rewatchable it's it's a bit of a slog and there are parts of it that are super cringe in a way that a lot of message movies from the late late 1980s are Mm. very cringe and i've had Mm -hmm. conversations with curtis i'm not going to go into details but i think something about that generation of uh creative types thought that merely talking about a subject was doing good as opposed Mm -hmm. to actually like Mm -hmm learning and listening about a subject because they weren't
2: willing to do
0: correct. Mm -hmm. So that's a whole other argument to unpack. Mm. Here's what I think is remarkable about good morning Vietnam. And someone correct me if I'm wrong, but based on what I read in my research for this, most of that script for that movie from robin williams was fully improvised Hmm. he just Mm -hmm. came up with it and that is a tour de force performance the movie itself has problems and andrea is totally right Mm -hmm. there but Mm -hmm. as a performance from robin williams it is incredible i don't think any other actor could do what he does in that movie um and he shows not just the Robin Williams motor mouth comedy, mm-hmm. like lightning quick train of thought. He also shows real dramatic chops and lest we forget, he was actually trained at the Juilliard school i think this is where he was just like i know you all think that i'm the wacky guy in the rainbow suspenders who's like yep. doing wee, wee, mm-hmm. but also like i'm a legitimate actor and i need mm-hmm. you to take me seriously and i think after this movie they did and he had a string of very successful dramatic roles so yep. um i think that is three for vietnam one mm-hmm. for patch adams are you sticking with patch uh, andrea <laughs> sure i mean
1: good morning (laughs) vietnam's gonna move forward and like i said i do really love that movie don't get me wrong i just wanted to give patch adams you know a little bit of a shout out for the movie that it was
0: absolutely and it is a very important role in his career ultimately truly um Next up, a slew of unanimous decisions as one-seed Aladdin rubbed five-seed Flubber the wrong way and bounced it right <laughs> out of the competition. Two-seed The Birdcage butched it up and took a bat to three-seed Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. And one-seed Hook didn't need to fight, didn't need to fly, didn't need to crow to automatically advance past four-seed To Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. And yes, Robin Williams is in that movie for about five minutes. It was a cameo battle off. Uh, you should listen to Ron one to discuss our love of that movie.
2: Eric. Sir? I ne- I have to interrupt you yes. because, number one, for those of you who listened to our first episode, Fern Gully was a unanimous, unanimous decision over the aristocrats, so we didn't talk about mm. it. And no. now The Birdcage is a unanimous decision over Fern Gully, and I, my little 90s heart, refuses to not talk about this movie <laughs> because it was... So important to my development Mm -hmm. as like an environmentally conscience, conscious individual. Like this is they, and that's why they did it. That's why they did it for the little kids. Absolutely. Because they knew that older people didn't give a fuck at that point. They were like, we've lost them. What can we do to try to create a new generation of people who actually care about the environment? Mm -hmm. And he was so great as baddie, like that rap mm-hmm. that he does.
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh, the most talk, 90s. The most uh-huh. to anybody,
2: anybody who grew up in the 90s, and I bet they know at least a couple of the words from it. And if they don't, then they would at least be able to know, like, oh, that's from Fern Gully. Like, that movie is spectacular. And, like, The Birdcage is one of my top 10 movies of all time, but Fern Gully is so very good, and I refuse to let it just go... By the wayside because it was which honestly truly a unanimous decision like i i also voted for the birdcage but i can't i can't let it just go
0: i think that's great and i'm so glad you spoke up because i was actually thinking curtis like we're really not paying that movie any attention it has the unfortunate honor of being i believe one of the bluth films is that am i correct about that yeah it
3: is it's definitely- michael bluth not
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but he had a whole animation studio that was quite successful in the 90s it also was yep. the land before time movies and there's other ones that i'm forgetting but like the swan princess yeah like mm-hmm. they were hugely successful movies and i feel like because that studio has shuttered or whatever like where are they like those are hmm. all product uh, um kind of projects that were very identifiable to kids and teens of the 90s yep. and they're nowhere i don't think uh, maybe they've made the way to disney plus now but i When's the last time you tr- you heard about that studio? Hmm.
3: I feel like there was something like there's there's a story there that I'm sure exists because like they they peeled off from Disney to make the Secret of Nim, etc. Yes. Like it's a whole mm-hmm. long history of Don Bluth's studio. Yeah,
0: and In is a really good movie. My younger brothers were obsessed with it, and the like toxic monster in that movie is terrifying. Thank you scary
2: oh i was ready, so honey. scary yeah I lo- like smoke as a monster mom mm-hmm. is that you like...
0: <laughs> no, I am so glad that you spoke up on on because it is a great film he's wonderful in it and unfortunately it was dust up against the birdcage so but listen
2: mama because I'm gonna keep on talking okay co- so we also we have paid dust to Tu Wong Fu thanks for everything Julie Newmar because again <laughs> it's going up against a one seed and hook and while the listeners who may have listened to Our warm up episode as Patreons. Please join us as a Patreon so that you can hear that wonderful content. I want to pay some respect to Tu Wang Fu because it is a fan fantastic movie it changed the face of queer culture how dare we not even say <laughs> anything about it and say something hat day like even though robin williams it's a cameo role he was only in it for just a couple minutes his name and is Manium i think, too. do they always say that
1: Manium i hate that
2: I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um john jacob jingleheimer schmidt It meant so much. And I think now in 2022, we take for granted what it meant for Robin fucking Williams to play a queer icon who helped these girls to do what they wanted to do. This was, I can't pull it up fast enough, but this was early nineties, I think. I'm going to say 92. Okay. Super early in what could be considered our movement Especially when it comes to film and TV like for someone like Robin Williams who has already experienced fame to put himself out there in a role where as a straight man, he is playing a gay figure was massive this was before the birdcage yes I know like that four for or five years before
0: the birdcage yeah, yeah. yes mm-hmm. to say nothing of patrick fucking swayze and wesley snipes they right. were <laughs> like paragons of male right. masculinity <laughs> Yep. Do you, where and like,
2: is the body <laughs>
0: luxuriated in those roles they're yep. so good in it patrick and,
3: swayze especially is that is like, uh-huh.
2: like that um, is one of my drag icons my he, drag persona is like in directly connected to mm. patrick swayze's performance he
0: it's never so breaks good. character in that movie not never. the entire time never. he's so fully vita
2: in that in that yeah. yeah. um, Bohem, so good
0: I think there's something to say too about
1: how Robin Williams character interacts with the Queens in that movie as a straight man. He's not yeah. just like existing and like being friends with them or like being courteous. Yes. He's hitting on Chi Chi the entire totally. time yeah, and it's, it makes the scene. And we hadn't yeah. seen
2: anything like that in, in that era for sure. And, as a child, as a gay kid, seeing something like that meant so much. Mm-hmm. Because I looked up to Robin Williams from all of the different movies that I had seen. Because I came to Tu Wong Fu after I had seen Jumanji and Aladdin and all of those things that really had broad appeal. Yeah. And then to see this man who I looked up to accepting me, it meant so much. And I know like Hook is a better film. Absolutely. It's more, it has a broader appeal. He does probably, he's more featured in it, yeah, certainly, sure. but Tu Wong Fu is one, it, again, like the, it's kind of crazy how many of my top 10 favorite films of all time include Robin Williams in some way. And this one means so much. So again, I refuse to let it just go, <laughs> go by without talking about it. I'm glad
0: you did. And I do think it brings up a very important thing that we talked about, which is sometimes we have to explain our personal rubric for these types of Mm -hmm. um, debates. And when it comes to the Robin Williams movies, there are cameos mixed in here with full on, uh, like there's, there's voice acting roles, there's full on starring roles, there's co-star roles. And so each of us kind of come at it from a different place. And you could be saying, well, why would you put a movie that has Robin Williams for literally like three minutes and 30 seconds in a top 32? But is it, the best Robin Williams performance or is it the best overall film in which Robin Williams appeared in? That's something that's going to be personal for everybody making these decisions. Right. And it's certainly personal for these, for our panelists. Mm -hmm. So just as we continue, we'll continue to have that discussion. I think Curtis is, is correct. It's up against hook. I actually don't know if I would make the argument that hook is a better overall film than Mm -hmm. Tu Wong Fu. No, Mm -hmm. no,
2: no. But I will
0: make the argument that it's a better Robin Williams film.
2: Oh, for then sure. shall we talk mm. about it shall Tu Wang Fu take over <laughs> I don't
0: think that I would switch my vote from hook okay. to Tu Wong Fu okay. no no right personally I. for that um, reason yeah. for that reason but you gave me hope I know uh, <laughs> and that's what I do because I'm so cruel I give it and then I take it away mm. um but no seriously th- these are the types of discussions that we'll continue to have as we go on in this episode so any other uh, interjections on the ones we just dismissed or maybe move forward I am shutting my whore mouth. Never. I ever, I always <laughs> want you to keep your whore mouth open for multiple reasons. So uh, next, three quarters of the panel want to suck the marrow out of life by advancing two seed dead poet society. But Kate wants to play Knight Templar to protect the Fisher King of three seed. I will explain why dead poet society remains vital in this bracket while Kate will try to redeem, redeem the Fisher King. Kate, you go first.
3: So this is really wild. I I forgot that I voted for... i will i will i will still give the fisher king a like a a spirited defense but i am going to change my vote so oh okay okay but anyway the fisher king you know my rubric was how robin Williamsy is it like how how is he used as a performer what is his performance like is it a cameo is it supporting is it a, a main role what is the aesthetic uh achievement of the film and kind of what is this what is this pop culture um Lasting place in popular culture. This is a supporting turn for him, but wow, is it great. Um, The other thing about this, just in recently rewatching this, like, if you ever want to know exactly what 1991 felt like, it felt like (laughs) Mm -hmm. this movie. Like, everything about its details are so specific. Uh, It's the second time Rebel Williams is working with Terry Gilliam, who I think the two of them uh, very much shared a lot of, um, uh, just sort of a, a, a... like an approach to the world an approach to, to comedy and to humanity. And there's, it has all these notes of things that Robin Williams does so well, manic comedy, incredibly smart, but also deep, deep wells of pain. Um, And ultimately creates this really earned, sweet, fantastical human portrait. Um, But I do want to just read this, like one line that was in the, like uh, the Wikipedia article for the Fisher King, which, you know, it's a, it's a modern grail story set in 1991. Uh, Robin Williams plays a man who, through circumstances that are connected to Jeff Bridges' characters, is homeless and living in the basement of his apartment building. Mercedes Rule is also an incredible supporting performance in this. Mercedes Rule and Robin Williams are the reason to see this movie. But basically, it's... Jeff Bridges is just kind of there. He does something bad,
1: yeah. <laughs> and he feels
3: guilty, yep. and he meets up with Robin Williams, and kind of, they redeem each other. Anyway, uh, so Peter Travers of Rolling Stone wrote that this film, quote, sweeps you up on waves of humor, heartbreak, and ravishing romance. John Simon of the National Review described The Fisher King as quote, one of the most nonsensical, pretentious, mawkishly cloying movies I ever had to wretch through. Ooh. End oh. quote. L- LOL. You're <laughs> so, all that to say, I want to hear you talk about dead poet society
0: <laughs> i'm happy to do so but i will also put out this there i believe that the fisher king gives us full frontal robin williams <gasps>
3: you know it does it does it does yeah. i mean it was kind of far away he's so furry you can't yeah. see anything like <laughs> it's just like wearing it's like he's wearing a pelt but there is a scene it's a wonderful yes. scene where he and Jeff Bridges are out in central park and he just is like you gotta get the air on your body and he's like It's really, it's really delightful. And that's eventually, that's when he tells him that the legend of the Fisher King, that is sort of what the story is about. Oh God, there's also the sequence in the Fisher King where like, and it's all practical. None of it is, it's all because Terry Gilliam is like does stuff by hand where, um, Robin Williams is, is in love with Amanda Plummer's character. There's a little like kind of stalkeriness, whatever it's actually doesn't feel too creepy. Anyway, he, he, he watches her walk through grand central station every day. And you see from his point of view, when he's following her, everyone in grand central station, just like grabs the person next to them and starts to waltz. And it is one of the most beautiful Mm. New York moments of film. It's a movie shot in New York. It's such a great New York movie. It's a great movie it is and, but and also jeff bridges is just kind of there
0: yeah mm. i mean oh here's the straight white male protagonist in the 1980s right. film terrific yep. terrific i feel um, bad for him eh. <laughs> <laughs> you made your choices um so <laughs> let's talk about dead poet society so um i mean do my-
3: you want to save your argument actually now i'm realizing it because i am going to switch my vote
2: okay save- is anybody yeah, save- voting for fisher king here Nope. Kate almost made me switch, but oh! it really does. It, it was beautiful. It, it was beautiful, it's but beautiful it's still movie. a three seed, so it, it still loses with two of us, so it doesn't matter. Yeah.
0: Yeah. okay then i'll okay. hold on to my argument for dead poet society for the all next right. round that's great saves me some time <laughs> all right so uh we are going to close out round one with two more unanimous decisions as one seed goodwill hunting put the boston beat down on four seed death to smoochie <laughs> and two seed jumanji passed go and advanced right to the next round over three seed night at the museum because we have not talked about death to smoochie yet would anyone like to say anything about that film
3: god is demented and delightful <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a danny devito joint it, very it
2: is very much a danny devito yeah. joint i was absolutely shocked to type that into my spreadsheet i was like danny devito really yep
3: yep
0: oh. and ed norton <laughs> yes I, I, in a young like an, an early ed norton performance
3: i haven't it, seen it in a long time actually i did not do my research to watch to Smoochie. so i have no idea how it holds up
0: <laughs> it is a dark dark mm. comedy For sure. Um, But I know a lot of people love it. And I did want to give it its moment in the sun. Um, I think it's an audacious film. It's another one of those ones Mm -hmm. where it was kind of leading up to that. I believe it precedes one hour photo and insomnia where it was like Robin Williams being like, wow, I'm going to play the bad guy. But his bad guy in this movie is also very manic and kind of mustache twirly and empathetic. Whereas the other ones are very much not. They're frankly just chilling. So um, Death Smoochie is a very popular movie with with a lot of people i mean it was what seed not bad um but it fell to goodwill hunting which i absolutely think is the correct choice here
2: mm-hmm. so uh, let me blow your mind for just a minute give it to oh, me all, all three of those movies were released in 2002
0: Damn. oh my wow. god big year for Robin in Williams. A
2: dark place
0: yeah yeah
2: that's really interesting.
0: It is. It's very interesting. So, with that being said, that is the end of round two. We're going to take a quick break because we are in dire need of a blowjob. Uh, that's a line from Good Morning Vietnam. When is that not true? They that literally—that's where I was going with it. Uh, so, we will be right back after these messages. Chronic migraine is
1: 15 or more headache days a month, each lasting four hours or more.
0: Botox, Anabotulinum Toxin A, prevents headaches in adults with chronic migraine. It's not for adults with migraine with 14 or fewer headache days a month. It prevents, on average, eight to nine headache days a month versus six to seven for placebo.
2: myasthenia gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications including botulinum toxins as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. Ask your doctor
1: and visit botoxchronicmigraine.com or call 1-800-44-BOTOX to learn more.
0: And we're back for round three of our best Robin Williams film debate. I've never felt such tension. It's like riding a psychotic horse towards a burning stable. Before we get into the Elite Eight matchups, I want to ask my panel, how can people find you on social media? Don't be afraid to crow, my lost boys and girls. Bang-a-rang. Andrea, you first. You can
1: stalk me on Twitter.com with the handle at Dre Souffle. Great.
2: Curtis? I feel so embarrassed every time you ask me this because on twitter on instagram on pretty much everything it's at kurt itch c-u-r-t-i-t-c-h i I should really just change it but for now that's where you can find me (laughs) all right and kate
3: uh i am on twitter sometimes a little bit at kate Rakulia, but if you want to see cute pictures of my cats i'm on instagram at gomez rack
0: and they are very cute. Uh, and you can find me at Eric Resniak on Twitter and Instagram. That's E-R-I-C-R-E-Z as in zebra, S is in snake, N is in Nancy, Y-A-K. Or you can just message at great pop culture debates on Instagram or at culture underscore debate at Twitter. Talk about regretting Twitter handles, Curtis. Can <laughs> we change that? <laughs> like, no, let's this fucking
2: just, change
0: that. We have so many followers. I'm not going to change it now they'll change they love us by the way like if you're not following us on twitter you're missing out on so much really good content that has like it's everything we do the podcast but so much more we have a lot of interactions if you love pop culture please follow us on at culture underscore debate we have a good time so with that all being said we're going to move into round three before J- jafar shows up and starts rubbing my magic lamp um but before we do that <laughs> His beard is so I mean, he had a look, (laughs) He committed to the look. It was kind of Prince in the early 90s. It was. Yeah.
2: um, but look, it, Eric loves another villain.
0: I know, <laughs> Must be a day that ends in Y. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to take a step back and just look at the elite eight overall because it is um, pretty staggering, and I want everybody to be prepared for the carnage that awaits us. So, we have Mrs. Doubtfire, Good Morning Vietnam, The Birdcage, Aladdin, Hook, Dead Poet Society, Goodwill Hunting, Jumanji. Of those eight movies, most of them have um, Oscar nominations for Robin Williams. And I think all of them were commercially hugely successful. If it, it let successful to like mega successful, this is really hard. Like, and mm-hmm. I think do they all fall late eighties through mid nineties? I think they all fall. And then Mar- Good Will Hunting is early 2000s. It's the latest
3: one. Yeah. yeah. Yep.
0: Uh, I mean,
3: what, what a goddamn career.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Exactly. I- so,
2: I feel like I if two, you were... Oh, go ahead, Curtis. No, you go ahead. I have so many things to say. You go
1: ahead. <laughs> I, I, I feel like if you ask any random person like what their favorite Robin Williams movie is, it's going to be one of these eight. Agreed. If these, Agreed. Are, these are the Robin Williams movies that people think about.
0: Yeah. Curtis, you were going to say something?
2: I don't think anyone else could do what Robin Williams did in these eight movies. And we talked about it earlier. We were like... He was he was almost made for the role. It was almost like they wrote the movie thinking, I want to write something that Robin Williams could do. Mm-hmm. That's how spot on these things are. And I also, I don't want to make it sad, but I want to say Go how to
3: make it sad, Curtis. It's I happening. want to
2: say how angry I am at him. And also so sad Mm -hmm. that he felt he needed to do what he did because I wanted, like, I wish I could have been there for him as a viewer, as a fan. And I'm so upset, I think is probably the best word to say that we missed out on what could have been.
0: I hear that. And I do want to say that doing the research for this, and I was reading more about what the the circumstances surrounding his his death. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was... Um, I had never heard of the condition that he was suffering from and I don't know how many people are aware of it. I, I'd never heard of it initially. i was certainly
2: of, not. So please share.
0: Yeah. So initially he was misdiagnosed as that, uh, apparently he had Parkinson's, which is in fact not the case. Instead hmm. it was, oh God, let me see if I can. It was, uh, Lewy body dementia. Thank you. Lewy body dementia, which is something, and, and the pathologist apparently said, uh, in a piece a few years after his death, like it was the most intense condition case of it they'd ever seen in a patient uh, after his death um and this is a disease that causes people to have extreme paranoia extreme anxiety extreme depression and um apparently he had been saying for a couple years like i need to reboot my brain so this was someone who was Mm. really suffering and i don't think the medical establishment understood what was going on to help him. Mm-hmm. And so it's to me like, this is a genuine tragedy, yeah. what happened. Yeah. And if there's any good that can come out of this, and that is, you know, even saying that statement seems pat and gross. And I hate saying that, but I am hoping that more people who have people in their lives who see these types of symptoms, look up the Louis body syndromes to see what the symptoms are and maybe talk to someone to get help because uh, clearly he had people around him who loved him and were trying to help him, but I'd never heard of it. I don't know how many people have. And so it's, it is truly a, a tragic situation. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mad at him in any way. I think he felt like he had no other option.
2: i'm no longer angry now i'm just very sad sad. yeah i'm just sad
3: i know i when i went back to watch stuff and preparing for this i haven't watched a ton of movies since he passed because i was like oh that's gonna be really hard Um, yeah and i was watching clips we'll get to it talk to it about when we talk about dead poet society i was just watching clips today and just like crying and like dead poet society always makes me cry like (laughs) But yeah, no, it's just what a career, what a life, what gifts he gave us.
0: And that's the point of this particular episode of the podcast, I think. And and I don't know if we've even made this point yet, but we've never done an episode where we're looking at one actor's work, body of work. If- yeah. Yeah. We've not Have done we never? that. Oh. We've never done it. So this is Robin's ah. the first one. And you may be asking why Robin Williams. And I think <laughs> Robin Williams spoke to. Multiple generations across multiple decades Mm -hmm. in multiple different kinds of films. He was he changed comedy. He did. Mm -hmm. He changed it. He had a tremendous impact.
3: And just like such a breadth of like these eight movies are not the same movie. No, right? Mm -mm. Like they're wildly different. You know, so it's really. But there is there is something about them that is the the heart of him, right? Like um, and that's it's really it makes for an interesting. I just want to go watch all these movies now. Anyway, we should talk about
0: them. Any performer, (laughs) any performer would be jealous of the Mm -hmm. body of work that he has. Mm -hmm. You you set him up against the supposed like the top actors of his generation, the Daniel Day Lewis's and stuff. Mm -hmm. Daniel Day Lewis does not have a resume that is anywhere close to as varied Mm -hmm. as this Mm -hmm. one. And that's not to take anything away from him or or, or Sean Penn or anyone else. But like in terms of the breadth of his body of work unparalleled. The, again, I, I made this comparison early on. Jim is the only one that comes close and I think Jim Carrey took a lot out of the Robin Williams playbook. Yes. That's yes. yes. that's my argument. Yep. Yep. Which is no, no way a slight to either of those actors, but um, I'm just trying to make the point he really had an incredible career. And I'm glad that we're taking the, the moment to speak on it almost a decade after his passing, because mm. I don't ever want that to be forgotten. So no. that that's where I'm coming from.
2: This is my favorite episode, I think, that we've done so far, uh, because it's given me a chance to remember and be nostalgic about so much of what especially my youth but just what this man has done Mm -hmm. and how important it's been and because it's not a competition no, it's one man's work work. and we are we're talking about what made him so special and what made these movies so special and I I love it
1: it feels like it just feels like a really good and big celebration of all of his work
0: and that's and I, really what it's intended to be. You were going to say something, Andrew? I'm sorry.
1: Oh, I was just, like, I just think that that's how he would want us to view everything, it's just as a big celebration.
0: I agree. Yeah. I love it. So with that being said, let's all slap at each other. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that will infuriate our listeners. So uh, first up in the Elite Eight, it's a Williams in wigs and old lady prosthetics versus Williams as a radio shock jock. Mrs. Doubtfire versus Good Morning Vietnam. I'm going to go around the horn and ask for votes. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Andrea. Who are you coming down with here? Um, matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay. Uh, Curtis.
1: Help is on the way, dear.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no contest. No, no contest outfire for oh,
3: As I hold this cold
0: meat, I'm reminded of Winston. <laughs> 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 I think that is a straight flush for Mrs. <laughs> uh, next up, it's Fussy, 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 Twyla, Twyla, <laughs> and the Birdcage up against Street Rats, Scoundrels, and Genies in Aladdin. This one's a little bit tougher. I'm going to go oh. reverse order. Mm-hmm. Uh, me
3: and the Birdcage.
0: Okay, uh, I'm going to go now to Curtis,
2: the Birdcage,
0: and I'm going to go to Andrea. Yeah. I'm going to go with Aladdin. Mm, Talk to me about that. We are not unanimous. I want to hear it.
1: I, uh, th- this is uh, a, a Disney movie that really cements my childhood. Um, and I think especially for like a lot of nineties kids, that is where we fell in love with Robin Williams, um, was his voice acting as a genie. And it, again, like we talked about earlier, there's no one else that could do this role. <laughs> Will Smith can't do it. Uh, mm-hmm. He proved oh. that. <laughs> oh. I'll
3: it. Andrea. Andrea, keep talking. Keep talking. You might sway me because keep talking. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's just really, uh, it, when I think of Robin Williams as a cartoon character, it, it, uh, it turns into the genie like that. It's truly just him drawn as a cartoon character Um and I, I, the birdcage is great. Uh, I really love that movie. I think all of us do, but as far as cementing his fame and his acting and his place in pop culture, Aladdin does that for me over the birdcage.
3: You so, have, you have swayed me, Andrea. A strong yes. argument. Because I mean, the birdcage is also one of my favorite movies of all time. Curtis um, and fussy, fussy, fussy is great, but, part of what is exceptional about Robin Williams' performance in that is that he is the straight man. Like, he is mm-hmm. he is pretty exactly. subdued, all things considered. And yes. it's an excellent performance. He's an excellent, yes. excellent, excellent. excellent. <laughs> but, like, best Robin Williams, like, the genie is an indelible creation that no other human being, mm-hmm. like, could have done that. And it's such a... Call me where it does in the, you know, kind of golden, silver, whatever the age of Disney cartoons that was. Like, that was just a bolt out of the big blue genie. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, yeah, I, am moving to Aladdin. Yeah.
1: And honestly, his range in Aladdin goes from comedy to this sort of like somber celebratory ending when he's like released from the lamp. Mm-hmm. Um, we really see him change up from being this like crazy big character to being really human and really mm-hmm. vulnerable, um and that's really impressive for a Disney movie for one, and for to do that as a cartoon character just through yeah. voice acting,
3: yeah, and also just like one of the best ways to capture Robin Williams like you can mm-hmm. is as an animated figure, right, like all of the stuff that he does vocally made literally in this incredibly evocative playful creative um animated character, like,
2: yeah. So, th- yes, so straight- allow me, oh, okay. allow me one final chance. <laughs> yes, okay, because Curtis, yeah. Eric, not that you don't matter, but you don't matter. Because <laughs> yeah. if the two of them are voting for Aladdin, then Aladdin moves forward because it's the it's one seed the one here. Seat. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. allow me yeah. one final chance. Of course. You said that Robin plays the straight man here, yeah. and he does. Mm-hmm. He plays the straight gay mm-hmm. character, yeah. which is unheard of mm-hmm. in this moment mm-hmm. because to be gay you have to be flamboyant yes. and loud oh, Curtis, and God bright and, and feathers and dance and he does it in that specific scene where he's teaching the two michael of them kidd, how michael kidd, michael kidd madonna, madonna. madonna madonna but you keep it all inside you keep it on <laughs> he is perfection <laughs> he is so good because in order to play a gay character for people who don't really know what gay is but also to play it as the character who is has to be the owner of a club and has to be so by the book and everything has to be so perfect he is amazing he encapsulates what i like oh my god it's just so perfect you're going up against literal drag queens and you still have to be gay Mm -hmm. how do you do that Mm -hmm. and i'm not like aladdin is one of my favorite disney movies of all time i can't even like begin to say how important the genie is and how like but The Birdcage is spectacular as a movie. It is amazing. And his performance brings it to a different level because it isn't just glitz and glam and camp. Yep. He is the person on the ground holding the balloons. Someone has to bring it to the earth and he does. And for someone as wild and crazy as he is, as an actor, he is able to do that. First
0: of all, let me say these are all really good arguments, and I'm very Uh. pleased for all all of you. This is exactly what we're here to do on this podcast, but I'm going to make an argument. I was initially going birdcage all the way. It may have been in my final two. I don't remember, Mm. but um, Andrea made several compelling arguments, and it made me think, again, my rubric for this is partially what is a great movie? Is it the Robin Williams performance? But it's also that movie's purpose in his overarching career. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Robin Williams did so much voice work that I think to have a final four without any of his voice work represented is not mm-hmm. really an accurate reflection of Robin yep. Williams's cinematic yep. career. Secondly... He was the first big celebrity yes. to make an impact as a voice actor in a yep. Disney film and yep. now it's Drigger. like yep. every Disney mm-hmm. film is cast uh, yep. top to bottom with Hollywood A-listers. That's a it's a great Aladdin point. Aladdin was the first one that happened in. Like name anyone in Beauty and the Beast and and Little Mermaid and say nothing of like the golden age of Disney.
3: Sherry Orbach.
0: I'm just <laughs> oh, okay. <Yeah. laughs> Angela Lansbury. Angela fucking Lansbury! Mm -hmm. But you see what I'm saying. Like, in terms of A-list Hollywood Hollywood actors, this broke the mold. Mm -hmm. And um, I think he changed kind of an arc, and I'm sure voice actors are like, yeah, thank you very much, Robert Williams, for fucking Mm -hmm. my life. But um, I think it is an actually pivotal role for not just his career but the industry because it did kind of reinvigorate prior to aladdin i mean he was still you know hot he was making movies he was doing great but Mm -hmm. aladdin kind of knocked him up into a whole other echelon where he now became the you know blockbuster head of a movie and i don't think that was happening prior to aladdin so as much as i love the birdcage and i think it is an important i think Curtis, you and I might be bringing to it a little bit more than say non-gay people were because you're correct. As a gay person in the nineties, this is a BFD to see a major Hollywood actor playing gay. I will also counter that by saying in 2020, we are now having the argument that non-gay actors who Mm -hmm. are playing gay characters are being looked at and saying, why are you taking that role away from actual gay actors? This is happening even now. Like there's actual debates about this. So... It's a little bit of a double-edged sword on that front, I think.
2: Um, I disagree. Okay. I'm going to have to call you yeah, on that. Yeah, for Because while in 1990, who was willing to come out of the closet? Who was willing Absolutely. to say who they truly were Absolutely. without knowing that it would tank their career? Sure. And now you have Robin Williams, one of the arguably biggest, biggest stars, stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah being willing to play a gay person knowing that he wasn't, that meant so much more. And it means so much to me mm-hmm. that he was willing to put this massive career on the line to play a gay person in a gay movie mm-hmm. based on La Caja But like...
0: <sighs> but to counter that, Curtis, he had already done that years earlier into Wang Fu.
2: Yes, and that's where my argument loses a little bit of steam. <laughs> yes.
3: But it is also, I mean, it's such a it's such a lived in humane
2: complete
3: performance sure mm-hmm. and yeah i mean they're both great movies nobody they're great movies. nobody loses nobody nope. loses here
0: and that's the thing in yep. in terms of the overarching his career looking at a final four. And I I personally I'm just going to share this like I'm kind of at a point where I'm like I don't want to hear any more fucking Disney movies in the great pop culture debate finalists. Like if you listen to our 80s <laughs> soundtrack episode, I staunchly make the argument why The Little Mermaid should not be included in there. But I do think in this particular case if we're looking at like the the major beats in Robin Williams' film careers, yeah. Yeah. I'm putting it, Aladdin over uh the birdcage and I was not doing that when I walked into this debate. So Kate, which one did you end up with? I am on Aladdin. So that's three for Aladdin, one for Birdcage.
2: I'm sorry, Curtis. But you did a good argument. Yeah. I think it's two and two, unless I'm wrong. Uh, oh, no, no, you, you switched. I you switched. Were the other boat. Yeah. I will, I will go down on this ship. That's, that's My captain. My captain.
0: <laughs> that's, that, it's, two, it's two down. Just wait for it. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right. So with that being said, next it's the boy who grew up in Hook versus The Teacher Who Inspired Generations and Dead Poet Society, I'm going to mix things up by starting with Curtis.
2: I don't care.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's very hook energy, actually.
2: It is. (laughs) Honestly, like, these are two of my, uh, of the final eight. These are the the two at the bottom. Mm -hmm. I don't care. So convince me.
3: Okay. okay, I was going to say this
0: means that it's all up in the air. Okay, okay.
1: Andrea? I I'm gonna go with Dead poet Society because my hot take of this episode is I don't like Hook
0: very much. But. Well, mm. it's actually not that hot of a take, Andrea, because no, when Hook a, was released,
3: not a good movie, it was reviled. <laughs>
0: It was a punching bag in Hollywood. I mean, it was commercially successful. I saw it in the theaters, not same, with Kate. Same, yeah. same. No, I not, I, yeah. say, I say
1: hot take because I do know that that is a nostalgia movie, for sure. Like, that is one that holds a good place in a lot of people's hearts, and I respect that. Um, I just don't think I saw it at the right time. Time yes. in my life, yes. I saw mm. it a month ago uh, for the first time, <laughs> yeah, work. and it it's didn't work. Working. No, yeah. When
2: you were like, "Oh, I'm on the Robin Williams podcast. <laughs> yeah. I should start watching." Let me movies. watch yes. all of these movies. <laughs>
0: uh, no, it's not going to work for you then, because I think you needed to literally see it when you were between the ages of eight and fourteen. Yes, uh, that when correct. it came out, mm-hmm. I think that's the exact age you needed to see it, um, and. I, I think it has great performances in it. He's wonderful in it. Uh, Justin Hoffman's amazing in mm. that movie. Maggie Smith, who's apparently been playing a, like, 90-year-old since the 1990s. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yes. Um, we will not discuss Julia Roberts and that crime of a wig. Oh um, <laughs> but, it, like... It is a movie that has been embraced by Gen Xers now, I think, uh, as, mm-hmm. as something that they love, but I don't think it's a hot take to say that hook is a bad movie. Kate, you were going to say something
3: dead poets. I'm fully dead poets, but like hook. I remember going to see it. I remember going to see it. I was 11, however old I was when this movie came out, um, the production design is so cluttered and so amazing. Mm. And, like, it's just, it's very extra. It's very, like, Mm -hmm. Sontag camp, right? Like, it's, Mm. there are things about it that are so mawkish and sentimental, but, like, I really loved them when I was 11. Yeah. Um, And, and like, oh, my God, like, all the boys living in the trees with all the skateboards, and, like, it's just cool AF when you're 11. But... Dead Poet Society is by far a better movie. Like for some people it's newsies, for some people it's school ties. I was a Dead <laughs> Poets Girl. Like knocks over street forever. This is a school movie. It's a teacher movie. It's a poetry movie. It's a sad tears about hot boys movie. Like and and also like he's just he's this is another kind of like restrained like mm-hmm. lots of lots mm-hmm. of life in him mm-hmm. but very restrained like you this is the Goodwill Hunting performance. The germ of it is this, right? Yes. Like, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. So I I think for that reason I'm dead poet. First
0: of all, literally from Goodwill Hunting. Kate just stole my line <laughs> 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 for dead poets, but that's fine. Um, I will just say this on, on, hook. Um, he's really great. The idea of hook is such a good idea. A good it is idea. Idea. Mm-hmm. Taking yeah. a fairy tale and like, but what happens if it was real and exploring it before like once upon a time. And there've been countless other things that have done this since then. And maybe there were before, I don't know, but um, it's really successful in concept. Execution is not quite there. And that's crazy because it's Spielberg and typically he's really good with the execution. Um, This one though, I think you're right when you say it's cluttered and mawkish, it is all of those things. Um, There are some great performances in it, but um, it is not overall a great movie. And I think it, it, at this point, Dead Poet Society should advance. So, uh, Curtis, were you convinced or does it matter?
2: Doesn't, matter. Doesn't oh. it matter. So I was looking at the numbers. So I'll leave it to the numbers. Hook has, of the final eight, the lowest IMDB rating. IMDB, right. Jesus, rating. <laughs> the lowest audience, no, 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 critic, tomatometer, and uh, yeah, nope, that's fine. All Dead right. Poets. Yay. Let's move it.
0: And finally it is Robin is the broken psychologist in Goodwill hunting versus the player trapped in a board game in Jumanji. I'm going to start with Kate.
3: Goodwill hunting.
2: Curtis. Here's where we fight. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: mean, so. honestly, These are also my, I don't really care.
2: <laughs> Between really? These two. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. Just that
3: much older. I'm like mm, Jumanji. Sure. You're not
2: that much older than me, I don't think. But I'm so... just like
3: I'm like I'm the Jumanji amount older.
0: <laughs> I understand exactly
2: what she's saying I... there because I'm also on the other side of that Jumanji gap. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, then I guess I have a chance here. Um, so we watched Goodwill Hunting for the first time ever. We, as in Curtis, he talks in the third person. <laughs> Last night, I watched it with Michael, um, but. I watched it for the first time. It was good. It was a very good film. I enjoyed it. Um, Casey Affleck... Deserved an Oscar Mm. for his portrayal Mm. of Stupid Brother. Like, that was, he was the best part of that film, I think. South Boston Burnout.
0: Like, that is (laughs) so. fully realized character. Real dirtbag energy there. Shirking off into the man's uh, baseball glove in his mother's bedroom because you don't have a VCR at your house. (laughs)
2: I have ridden the T enough to know who those people are, and he did a spectacular job. However, Jumanji is like, ooh, that is Curtis's childhood right there. Like that movie has it's a thriller for children. Mm -hmm. It was so good in its time and now. It was so good that they tried to redo it with terrible actors. And I don't quite understand why. It's
0: very successful. Mm-hmm. Money. Very Money. successful.
2: That is all that is the answer to all questions, Money. Kate. Money. And in this case, like that is absolutely what they did, but it was it's so good. He like, is it a stunning Oscar level film? No. But his performance, honestly, to play like this person who was transported into the future, who is a child but not a child, who grew up in a, a jungle—like stunning, just so good. And I, at the end of Goodwill Hunting last night, I was like, "Hmm, Jumanji's better." So I'm going <laughs> to say that Jumanji's better.
0: Uh, uh, this is a, a remarkable hot take. Uh, but Andrea, where are you coming down first? Yeah. <laughs> This is going to be a battle of the 90s kids versus the <laughs> 80s kids because I
1: agree with We're everything older. that Curtis just said. <laughs> Jumanji I feel is the superior movie because I also watched Goodwill Hunting for the first time a few weeks ago and had the same feeling about the ending. I was like, Nye. um, and also like what a terrible therapist. Like this oh is so I'm, many times I was, I was like, like that this is happen. not you can't do that. No, I was I would be more fucked up after going to a therapist like that um but I uh, Jumanji I also think was the blueprint for Night at the Museum and Mm. I that like Jumanji walked so that movie could I guess also walk because I don't really like that movie um (laughs) But um, what, like you said, Curtis, this is my childhood right here. I had the board game that you could actually buy. Mm. Um, I remember like just running that VHS into the ground with how many times we watched that movie. It was just so exciting and fun. And I think for us as 90s kids, we were so inundated with all these colorful, bright, happy-go-lucky Disney movies that were just mm-hmm. coming out one after the other. And then Jumanji was really just something different. Um, and obviously, you know, we, we talk about how good his acting is just across the board. But I felt like in Jumanji, he loved that script. Mm-hmm. I really think that he just truly loved playing the character in that movie more than he has than I've seen anywhere else other than maybe Aladdin and Mrs. Doubtfire, but definitely over Goodwill hunting for sure.
2: It's
0: a stampede. (laughs) So I hear your arguments and I am taking nothing (laughs) away from Jumanji as a movie i think it's fun um it's interesting <laughs> that you all think that uh you're like it was a different type of movie for us because we were used to these happy-go-lucky kids movies and i think kate and i are just like have you That's were you adorable a... like we <laughs> <horrible. laughs> your horse dies in the first 15 minutes in the swamp of sadness
3: and and you can yell at him to like not let the sadness overtake him but he's like no i'd rather die exactly
0: <laughs> like he's so, like, w- the 80s kids understand <laughs> yes, danger and pathos in our movies at <laughs> a cellular level, and yes. I'm desperate to do a best 80s kids movie yes! uh, debate, because, like, I want children of the 90s and forwards to really understand this is why we're fucked up, because everything <laughs> in the 80s was terrifying, right? like everything. But that is neither here nor there. I hear what you're saying. And you can make the argument like this is my childhood. I wanted to advance. But this is ultimately a best Robin Williams film discussion. And if we are talking about these two movies, one of these movies one Robin Williams, his only Oscar. and Mm -hmm. one of them didn't and he deserved that oscar because yes he may have played a therapist who was not a very good therapist from a like (laughs) ethics perspective (laughs) but um, he's terrible (laughs) wonderful in this role kate mentioned and we'll get to this when we talk about uh dead poets in the final four round but like this was the character almost that he played in dead poets but like 30 years in the future when his life has gone completely to shit and he's a broken man and has really no reason to keep trying. Mm -hmm. And he actually gets a reason. Like there's an arc to this character in this film that I feel is very real. And he is so good in this. It is um, nothing mawkish. I didn't find him mawkish about this in a moment and it could have very easily been those things uh, I thought that his dynamics with Stellan Sarsgaard, with Damon, were really strong in this. And mm-hmm. I just think it is a really well acted role. I have problems with Goodwill Hunting as a movie. I'm not going to say it's a perfect film. But as a Robin Williams film and as a showcase of his talent, I think it is his best acting role of his whole career. Mm. In my Mm. opinion. Um, Did he win supporting? It was supporting actor, right? It was supporting. Which is crazy because he was nominated for lead actor for Dead Poets and he should have been nominated for supporting because he's Mm. in that movie less than he's in... um, Mm.
2: Good, yeah, uh, goodwill good Will hunting.
0: hunting. Yeah. Um, he is truly supporting and dead. That makes supporting.
2: no sense.
0: It doesn't make any sense, but they do this sometimes. It's it's crazy. Like um, what's her face won for Shakespeare in Love, and I think she was Judy on screen. Dench. Judy Dench. And she's on screen for uh, I think a total of eight minutes. Yeah. And she won the best actress <laughs> award. Um so with that being said, Curtis and Andrea, are you sticking with Jumanji here?
2: yes yes because it doesn't matter
0: and Kate and I are sticking to <laughs> Goodwill Hunting, which I believe yes. is a one seed correct yes. Kate
2: that's why it doesn't yes. matter <laughs> So
0: I appreciate you sticking to your guns and again, I celebrate not, your passion
3: I absolutely. feel like Robin Williams would also celebrate your passion just so much
0: but so I think much. Robin so Williams tickled. would also be like I hear what you're saying kids and I love how much you love Jumanji but you need to move forward goodwill hunting here. <laughs> that's my fucking life. <laughs> His legacy is not Jumanji. His legacy is good Will hunting. So that gives us a uh, final four of Mrs. Doubtfire mm-hmm. versus Aladdin and Dead Poet Society versus Goodwill Hunting. Oh, I love mean. it. Always take a step back here and look at our, our final four. All these all um, one seeds. No. What is a two seed?
2: Dead Poet Society. Society. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but so. it's very interesting that it's broken out comedy versus drama. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that journey for us. So let's get into it, Mrs. Doubtfire versus Aladdin, Around the Horn. Andrea, you start.
1: Oh, why'd you make me start? Um.
0: <laughs> <laughs> your name starts
1: with an A. A stupid, stupid rule. Um,
2: <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire. Curtis, no contest. <laughs> This is Doubtfire. Kate.
3: So in Harvard Square, I don't know if it's there anymore. I think someone probably painted over it. There's a small little Lowe's movie theater on Church Street. And for a long time, there was a little mural painted on the outside, kind of next to the entrance that was like a separate entrance to go into the theater. And there were like famous characters inside the movie theater. Like I'm pretty sure like bogey was sitting at the counter and and i feel like et was in there somewhere and like really iconic film stars and then kind of in the middle distance was mrs doubtfire dancing with a vacuum <laughs> and i remember you know when i first got to boston circa 2003 i was like really mrs doubtfire she's in there she's up in there with all of them and you know what she's fucking up in there with all of them she is. <laughs> Doubtfire.
0: She is part of the constellation now. She's part of the stars. Uh, I'm also going to make it a clean sweep for Mrs. Doubtfire. Everything said about Aladdin is true, but Mm -hmm. again, if you're talking about roles that people will automatically associate with Robin Williams, Mrs. Doubtfire is one of them. Mm -hmm. It's indelible.
1: Can I just say something about Aladdin real quick just to give it one last shout out? I think we were talking earlier about how just cross-generational Robin Williams is. I think in my personal opinion, uh that Aladdin is that bridge between some of like our parents and mm. us. It was one of the first movies that I think could really touch several different generations. You know, uh our, our, our parents um definitely experienced Robin Williams in a different way than I think we did. Um, and that his role as genie was probably one of the first roles where we could all sort of experience him together
0: agree completely and it is why i think that that movie is so important in his career um but i think i honestly between the two roles i still give it to doubtfire here for sure um, yep
1: I, I, just I just wanted to give that little shout out to the genie
0: love it and i think it's completely true uh finally we have dead poet society versus Goodwill hunting i'm gonna start with kate uh good will hunting and now i'm gonna go to curtis
2: Goodwill hunting and andrea dead
0: poet society
2: oh.
0: mm. Mm. so we haven't really talked about dead poets that much so let's have that discussion um, let me go to my notes which we didn't talk about in round two
1: <laughs> yes, go for it <laughs>
0: uh, um, so I have to say in terms of a personal preference of these two films I prefer Goodwill Hunting to Dead Poets Society. Interesting. In terms I prefer of Dead Poets. Okay. I in anyway, terms I'm sorry. I'm of, talking, no, you're talking, good. Talking you're it. good cuz I think I'm about you. to go to yeah. what you're about to talk about. In terms of cultural cachet, I think Dead Poets Society has more cachet. And mm-hmm. I think specifically it was foundational to Teens, particularly teen girls, which I think is interesting, we'll get to that in a second, in the 80s and 90s, I think if you were between the ages of mm, 10 and 17, anywhere between mid-80s to mid-90s, you were all about Dead Poet Society because it was... I'm going to use the term "cute boys" in quotation marks because personally, they did nothing for me. Josh Charles, maybe. Josh Charles, maybe. Josh Charles, Josh Charles forever. The rest of them,
2: <laughs> man, Jesus.
0: <laughs> um, the desperation. But a lot of girls were total swooning over this dorm full of twinks and. Um, <laughs> dorm full of twinks. That's, a great- <laughs> that, that's what it is. Um, but. I think also it spoke to creatives. It spoke yes. to people mm-hmm. who were just like, I see this system that I am forced into and I do not want it. And why do you I not have anyone who sees me? And yet in almost every school in America, there is that teacher or those couple mm-hmm. of teachers that see you and, and, and get that spark going in you and thank God for them. I had several of them myself. Um, one of them was the mother of someone on this episode. Um, <laughs> um, but like, seriously, I think it has a very important, Important cultural role to those generations. I would argue that I don't think it has that type of impact with future generations. I think if you were born in the 90s and be about, you don't care about Dead Dead Poet Society. Um, mm. I don't care for the movie overall. I think Robin Williams is really good in it. Um, I think it's his first really understated role. And again, he could have really ratcheted it up and gone for the, the chew that scenery, and he didn't. Um, but I can understand why it's so impactful for a generation. That being said, in terms of the movies that I think are his defining movies, I give the edge to Goodwill Hunting here. Andrea, did you want to say something else?
1: Yeah, I, you definitely convinced me with that one. Um, I, I do think Dead Poet Society is the better movie overall. And that's definitely where my head was. Um, but his performance at Goodwill Hunting is outstanding, even if I didn't care for the movie as much. Um, and I know that scene where um, he kind of has his little breakthrough moment, and he's talking about how his wife used to fart in her sleep. That whole scene is improvised. He just started talking, oh, wow. and so that's why that laugh from Matt Damon is so genuine It because that wasn't mad. scripted. He was just truly laughing at him and just rolling with it, um, and it's just a great example of how
0: wonderful he was there's just so much pain in that role Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but he's and he but it's also buried under a veneer of kind of being dead inside which someone in his position would be that's really hard to pull off as an actor there's like Mm -hmm. so many layers there i don't Mm -hmm. even know how he did it honestly like that's that's a lot of work
2: it almost seems like someone that has You know, some sort of mental illness that causes them to feel depression Hmm. and anxiety at all times, but has to be a functioning member of society.
0: And finds an outlet for that through being funny, right? Yeah. So I do think there was some, um, biographical informant of, of that role. Uh, obviously we're, we're speculating here, but I, I don't think it's too much of a reach. Um, so I believe, was everybody good while hunting there over dead poets?
3: yes, yes. Yep. and I, mean, I do dead poets will always be a part of my sexual awakening but like
2: yep. <laughs> but good i think my husband said the same thing or literally earlier today you, the exact same thing I'll,
3: all you dead poets fans out there if you ever search up dead poets alignment chart it's very funny i'm wow. obviously chaotic
0: neutral um <laughs> Um, and you know what? I'm I'm so happy for all of you who had your sexual awakening to Dead Poet Society. <laughs> uh, that's for you. And uh, it's you know I'll I'll take Pluto. <laughs> <know, Yes>. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, so we have a final two of Mrs. Doubtfire versus Goodwill Hunting. I personally think this is probably the correct final two for this episode. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and I want to go around the horn and I'm, I, I feel like I, I'm not going to pick on Andrea anymore. Cause she's tired of me doing that. I'm going to start with. Thank you. Oh my gosh.
2: <laughs> You're starting with who? Sorry. You. Oh no. Yes. Uh, so Goodwill Hunting has the highest IMDB rating. Of all of these, the 32 that made it to our bracket. He has has, receipts. I do. It has a 98% from the critic side of the Rotten Tomatoes meter and a 94% of the audience meter. It is from those things, the quote unquote best movie. However... (laughs) There is, n- there's no question. I, when you put me on this podcast, Eric, when you said, Curtis, you're going to do the best Robin Williams film, there was only one answer. And it is the answer, Mrs. Doubtfire. It is top three favorite movies of all time. It is spectacular from top to bottom. <laughs> he is we talked about his impact in the birdcage and to Wong Fu being a straight person playing a gay person. In this film, he plays a straight person playing a straight person playing a cross-dresser, I suppose, would be the closest like terminology. But he has a gay brother. They have a connection. Mm-hmm. They do matchmaker. It is <laughs> fucking genius, phenomenal top three. Top three what? Favorite movies of all okay. time. Okay. Top three.
0: Uh, I'm going to go to Andrea next.
1: They say a man who has to buy a big car like that is trying to compensate for smaller genitals. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what a line. He's truly below the belt line. Uh Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah.
0: Kate.
3: Oh, God, Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, I mean literally the first place i ever saw harvey Mm -hmm, firestein
0: it
3: is so it is it is the perfect use of robin williams in all of his glory right like he gets to be wild he gets to be funny he gets to be very specifically a character Mm. does he terrorize his ex-wife Oh, yes. But, like, but he also gets to be very sweet and sincere. And it is a very loving message, that it isn't an easy or neat message. Right. Um, which i think sometimes like in any actor if they have a very sort of like saccharine or sentimental bent you know if things if things feel too easy then it doesn't feel unearned and i feel like mm. like i think sometimes that that voiceover at the end you know you'll be okay puppet like there's just something so oh, lovely no. about it
1: right oh, you just <laughs> stabbed me <laughs> in the oh, heart
3: and it's just it's it's a great it's a great movie i haven't watched it in a long time i feel like there's some jokes that might not be so great anymore mm-hmm. but
2: it the is, use of dude looks like a lady yeah, Probably
3: a, little yeah. ouch. a little ouch a little but it's just you know for a movie of this size right it was wide release um to be just like such a cultural it was such a cultural moment to see this movie it's still a very funny movie and i do think of like things that that mrs doubtfire says all the time That i hold this cold meat i'm reminded of winston how did he die oh he was killed by the drink oh he was an alcoholic no it was hit by a guinness truck so it was quite literally the drink that killed him like just like shit like that just lives rent free in my brain and i don't hate it mrs delfire
0: i think you you said something that spoke to me too which is this is actually the most robin williams of robin williams movies because Mm -hmm. we mentioned you know sometimes the animation is like how robin williams could be brought to life in his most pure form right it's his his energy just like in this ridiculous character mrs delfire is essentially a live action cartoon like uh, it, Mm -hmm. it is a costume but um there's also a person in there and that person is doing a lot of work um and i think you know, I could not tell you the name of of Robin Williams' character in *Goodwill Hunting*. It is also a supporting role. Yeah. Um, I can tell you, Euphigenia, uh <laughs> Doubtfire is the name <laughs> from *Mrs. Doubtfire*, and it is Euphigenia. a leading role. You. Mm-hmm. I mean. This movie could not have been done by literally anyone else. Anybody, anybody,
3: anybody. anybody. And like the farce of the final reveal scene where he's like interviewing with the like station manager while at the same time, you know, they're like uh, it's Miranda's on a date with Pierce Brosnan. Like get get some is her name yeah. Miranda oh my god I literally it, remembered Sally Field's name yes yeah. Whew, I have. this movie is just like in my Bitch, brain
2: I know the restaurant it's Bridges oh,
3: <laughs> you go to oh, Bridges yeah. restaurant <laughs> like they're running back and forth it is it has like oh. birdcage right it has elements of farce um, yes. and it's yes. done flawlessly which like Chris Columbus eh, sometimes that man does not but whatever it's still a great movie
0: <laughs> it's a great movie and my I
2: movie. did one of the Harry Potters he did two the first two. two two of the Harry Potters
1: what were you gonna say uh Andrea? Oh I was saying my sister and I still will quote the Raptor Rap from Mrs. Doubtfire,
2: Coming back as always. (laughs) (laughs) It's a dinosaur.
1: And we talked about we talked about Sally Field briefly and while this is a Robin Williams Episode. Uh, she does a great job in that yeah, movie, good and good. Th- the whole time, the whole
0: time, the, whole, the time, whole time, the whole time, nobody does better reactions in Sally Field. Go watch Dope. It's yeah. one of my all-time favorite movies, and every line in that movie, her reaction, like she. Uh, just squeezes every ounce of comedy out of it. She's very gifted. She doesn't get enough credit either. That's a good episode. Best selling deal.
2: Like, what a career, man. Holy shit. The position has been filled.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's also, it's it's a deeply playful movie, too. And I feel Mm -hmm. like Robin Williams at his joyous best is just play, right? Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. and it's still going right like the the musical is opening on broadway shortly and i know a lot of us are like oh good another hollywood movie turned into a musical Mm -hmm. but you know what i fucking see a mrs doubtfire musical i bet (laughs) you that's gonna be a goddamn hoot so i'll be there yeah it is still very much a relevant movie in a way that i'm not sure goodwill hunting is no Mm -hmm. snaps or like no shade towards goodwill hunting but like i think it is the best robin williams film and that is unanimous for us, by the way. So there you have it. Our pick for the best Robin Williams film is Mrs. Doubtfire. Do you agree? Do you not not at all like them apples? Tell us how you really feel <laughs> by leaving a comment on this episode at greatpopculturedebate.com or find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. While you're there, make sure that you subscribe and follow the podcast so you can hear about what new debates are coming up, vote on open polls, and even decide which topics we tackle next. I want to say thank you to my panel. You are always in the mood to help your new... And I just want to say thank you for listening. <laughs> if you loved what you heard, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where you can get even more exclusive content and get episodes a whole day early. We hope you have a good one. And remember, everyone is entitled to their wrong opinions.
3: With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.